Welcome into episode number three of Jungle Juice. Sam Gormley and Mick Nelson with you. Mick, how are you? I'm doing I'm doing quite well, Sam. How are you doing today? Great. We are a week and a half away from the kickoff to the 2023 Cincinnati Bengals season. We're going to be in the mistake by the lake very, very soon. Well, at least we won't be, but but our our, our, our hopes and dreams will be, I guess. You know, I, I'm not planning on going to the mistake by the lake. I thought we were going to the Cleveland game. Sorry, sorry to break this to you. Uh, instead, we're just going to be there the next like three out of the last, or I guess it's the next two weeks we get to be there for Ravens and then and then the Seahawks and or not the Seahawks, the Rams. Wow. And, and, and speaking of that, I, I keep meaning to actually take the time to look up. And if someone watching knows the answer to this, I'd love to know. This will be the third straight home game for the Bengals against the Ravens. So like the third straight game, I don't count the Packers game. That's preseason. So you had the last game of the season, playoffs, first game of this season. And I'm wondering how many times that's happened in NFL history where a team hosts the same team in three straight games at the same stadium. Yeah. I can't I mean, I imagine it's happened. Know. It's happened very much at all. No, I mean. Because this is the only scenario that it could happen. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's a very weird thing that, uh, Ravens are playing here three three meaningful games in a row. It's uh, I would think the only team that it could have happened for the Bengals is like maybe the Steelers, but I know it didn't happen. Like, but like if they ended the season with the Steelers and then had a playoff game against the Steelers and then opened up with them the next season, but that's really yeah. I, I know this is the first time this has ever happened for the Bengals, but yeah, it, it has to be. And I, I've been meaning to go back and look. And if I if I was better at my stats, I'd, I'd go back and look throughout NFL history. But I just found it very interesting. But we're getting off topic on uh, on today's show. Got a jam pack one, a lot to get to. Fifty uh, three man roster came out yesterday. Mick and I are going to talk about our surprise cuts, surprise makes. The practice squad was released, so we get to go through the practice squad. You know, there's a new quarterback out there. How do we feel about him? A couple of players that left went to new new opportunities. You know, should the Bengals have kept them? How do we feel about that? And then we're going to dive all the way into the defense. Now that the defense is pretty much solidified, uh, there are a couple of questions that I think is primarily on the back end of the defense that we'll talk about. Uh, return game as well as something interesting is, you know, how much faith do we have in Charlie Jones? Is Chris Evans going to be the kickoff returner and so on? That's pretty much some of our big topics of this week. And as always, we appreciate you taking the time to, to join us, that is. And if you have any questions or topics that you want us to cover, make sure you, you drop it down there in the in the comment section. Luckily, Mick, we our, our technology is so good that I just get to click on it, and it just pops right up on the screen, so it's awesome. Technology is awesome, and it, it makes things really interesting. So if you got something, make sure you leave it for us. For sure, for sure. Uh yeah, please, please voice your opinions to us. We, yeah, we, you know. Tell us we're wrong. We're fine with that, too. We're, we get told that all the time. I get told, yeah, I have a wife. I'm, I'm told I'm wrong all the time. It's, uh, oh, man, is she going to pop up in the comments section now that you've you've mentioned her? No, she actually doesn't tell me I'm wrong very often. Which is well, as nice. as I know, my, my grandma gave me a T-shirt and it said, you know, I may be left handed, but I'm always right. So oh. it's uh it's it's great one, uh, but and I also want to make sure we give a shout out over to Josh Isles at uh, WDN today. We're also streaming on his Facebook page. Appreciate him for for doing that for us, Josh. Good man. Make sure you follow him and follow us for all of your Bengals content needs. But make the biggest story of the day: Joe Burrow is back. Yeah, Joe Burrow is back at practice. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw the video? Yeah, I didn't have much of a uh, of a chance to have a reaction just because work was pretty uh, pretty uh, intense today. But uh, the brief moment I had was uh, was a moment of exaltation. Uh, I didn't look into this, but I wonder did he arrive earlier this season after injury than he did last year after the appendectomy? It's probably pretty similar as far as that. As I uh, appreciate Tommy Lipscomb from Hootay Nation. I know he's, he's dropping Tommy. in and, and, and leaving the comment. I think it's probably pretty similar as far as time, but there's one big difference is that I know when, when Joe Burrow came back last year, since he had the appendectomy, he'd lost so much weight. Yeah. He came back and he was thin. He was frail. Whereas right now he, he hasn't lost any muscle mass. He's still been able to work out up top and so on. And really probably been able to still work out his legs. 
So I think that the the gap between where he needs to be and right now is 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 sh- is shorter than it needs to be. And even I see here, one Sammy <laughs> is locked in and listening. You know when Sammy Nelson pops in here, Mick, that it's got to be a big show. Who day to my sister Sammy Nelson? She had a big day today. Uh, she had, yeah, told her about the podcast, and she's immediately on. Sister, sister of a lifetime, right there. Sisters supporting the brothers, but uh, I think that the the Burrow news has to make you feel better because I know last week we were talking that we weren't necessarily concerned that Burrow wasn't going to be ready for for the pre for the uh, season opener against the Browns, but I think now that we've seen this, I'm not worried at all. No, I'm not worried at all. And honestly, I wasn't too worried. Like even while the uh, rehab process was kind of going on, I think the the whole workout before the Packers game was pretty telling that he was on a he was on a good track to make it back by week one. So, and you bring up a good. I, I, I want to add on to your point about him losing all that muscle mass last year. You know that he looked frail, and then to add on to that, just because of the struggles in weeks one and two, he, he was also trying to work out the kinks with a brand new offensive line last year. So, you know, you, you have that continuity this year, uh, albeit you do have Jonah switching positions and you do have Orlando Brown coming in to uh, play left tackle. Um, but it should be a better transition this year just because of the continuity of the offensive line. It, in addition to, you know, he he didn't, you know, lose like a good 15, 20 pounds from this injury. So, yeah, 100%. And I think that, that all of that combines in makes it to where I'm not really not really too worried about it. And Mick, I, I, I got to ask, because do you appreciate a good conspiracy theory every once in a while? Oh, I love conspiracy theories. Well, so have you followed the Joe Burrow conspiracy theory with all of this? No, no, I, I don't so, even so know the, what's going on with that. Okay, so the conspiracy theory is, and, and if, if you agree or disagree, leave it in the comments. And I'm not by no means saying that I agree, is that all of this is a hoax. Burrow is faking the calf injury because this is his way of sitting out camp without without uh, looking like a holdout for the contract. That's been the conspiracy theory that I've seen some people uh, some people push push on social media. I think it was proven wrong today that he took the field without a new contract, but I always I, I appreciate a good conspiracy theory. Yeah, I feel like if that were the case, um, I feel like it, it's something would have leaked by now, you know, saying that, you know, Burrow was holding out on this extension and whatnot. So I was thinking more of the conspiracy theory along the lines of like, oh, well, Burrow has been ready to go this whole time. And, you know, and they just don't, you know, they want to catch the Browns off guard or whatever uh, in week one. But the fact that he's even coming back this early, I, I just think it was, a legit injury, and he was just rehabbing from it, and it was—it's as simple and as that. I'm assuming you're now in the same in the same boat, though, where you have no concern that he's going to be ready for that Browns game, correct? No, I, I don't have any concern now. Whether the offense looks uh, the best it could have, that that'll be a different question. You know, I, I you know, I we could easily but, see you know a, a first two weeks of last year scenario again this year. So it's. But with that is, let, let's just say, okay, Burrow is healthy. How much of the preseason would he have actually played? Like, how many snaps so, do you honestly think he would have played? I don't think he would have played more than maybe two Do you think he would have done one drive in the Atlanta game, maybe? Yeah, I would say maybe two. Maybe one, probably one. Um, but I don't think it really matters with the preseason games more than it does with you know, having all the, all those reps in camp, uh, you know, in the practices in general. And I think that's what the bigger concern I have is that he just hasn't had many reps on the days that are preseason games. Uh, what it did open that. up though, is more reps for that 53 man or the 90 man roster and uh, to whittle it down now to 53 that was released, I guess, you know, a little over 24 hours ago. And then earlier today, they released the practice squad. Mick, last week we were talking about some of these battles, uh, the big battle we talked about last week, though, primarily was kind of that final offensive tackle. You were jumping on Hakeem Adeniji train. I was on the Deontay Smith train, and Deontay Smith won out. And even to the point where Hakeem Adeniji, now, he very well could have been offered a practice squad spot and decided to go somewhere else, but not even on the Bengals anymore. 
it, does that worry you at all or or what with Akeem Adenishi? No, it doesn't really worry me at all. And I, I'm I'm actually kind of happy that the, the Bengals showed him some uh showed him some love and gave him an opportunity to go make it with a different NFL squad. I think that Akeem Adenogy does deserve a, to be on an NFL roster somewhere. Um and I you know, looking back on last week and we kind of touched on this earlier before the show, it's that um, you know, I, I do see the argument made for Deontay Smith. Um, you know, if you have two similar uh, tackles in terms of, of skill set, you probably do want the guy that is under team control for uh, a longer period of time than the other. And Deontay Smith was drafted in 2021. That means we have two years more of control over him. And Hakeem only had one year left on his contract. So that made a lot more sense. Um you know, when that was kind of, and I think too, with him, we've seen everything we're going to see from him. I believe how much more does he really have to grow? Hakeem doesn't really have, he didn't really have much to grow, but we were talking about like a reliability factor or like a trustworthiness factors with players. And, you know, and I've given Hakeem a lot of flack over the past couple of years, just because I was tired of watching him start uh, on a consistent basis. But, um, he was proven to be that trustworthy guy. It, it seems like no matter where, you know, an injury was happening on the offensive line, uh, other than center, I guess, it, it seemed like Akeem was either the first or the second guy to be called up to the the, the starting five on the offensive line. And, uh, you know, so that that's the part that I would be kind of worried about. I still think Deontay Smith is pretty raw, but, you know, from what you've said and what I've heard around, it seems like he has had a very good camp. And I think that he does have a better athletic profile than, than Hakeem Adeniji. Yeah. And I can agree with that. Some of the other surprise cuts uh, we also talked about last week was, will they keep seven wide receivers? And with that, obviously that was dealing with, with Stanley Morgan. Stanley Morgan is back. He's on the practice squad. And I think that they ended up keeping pretty much an extra offensive lineman in place of Stanley Morgan. and the, Or even you could say that they kept a fourth running back in place of Stanley Morgan. Do you think that was the right move? So I don't think the offensive line is over in terms of the amount of players you have. They have 10, I believe. I thought they were having 10 going in. I think, honestly, where they kept the most spots or more spots than usual is probably probably running back and then really on the defensive line, they're keeping 10 guys on the defensive line this year, which just seems like a crazy high amount or, you know, not crazy, but it's a higher amount than, uh, than years prior. Um, no, I'm not worried about Stanley Morgan being gone other than the fact that he was like our special teams ace and he was a run blocking, uh, receiver. Um, I do kind of worry about the special teams unit as a whole this year, just because, you have two prominent special teams players that did get cut uh, yesterday. And luckily both are still back on onto the practice squad. So, so you still have some of that to, to build upon, but at the same time, both of those guys, you know, listen, I like both of them, but at some point you got to get younger. And especially with guy, a guy like Mike Thomas, who, you know, is in NFL terms is, is a grandpa, you know, they call him uncle Mike for a reason. Like he is very old as far as NFL terms. And I think he was smart enough to, uh, to, to know that Steve Hall, he writes in and says, we wouldn't have kept Carmen except for where he was drafted. I don't know that I necessarily disagree with that. If, if, if Jackson Carmen was picked in the sixth round, would he still be on the Bengals? No, he definitely wouldn't be, uh, you know, and, he, he does have that second round, you know, grade, or he, he really had a third round grade. So you'd think the potential might be there. I think Tommy hit on this a, a few times earlier in, uh, in uh, the who day nation group, but you know, it's like he has all the talent in the world and he just refuses to, it seems like he refuses to uh, put the work in during the off season for that. And, you know, for the guy, for a team that, prioritizes culture as much as Zach and, and the rest of the team do. And it is kind of surprising that we, we still have Jackson Carmen on the roster. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. And 
I think that there is hope that I mean, because you look at Jackson Carmen and you see he shows signs of okay, like this guy could be pretty good. And I think the hope is is that maybe one day he'll be able to one of these guys will be able to break through and get to this guy. And I don't know that I've seen enough to uh, to to make me believe that that's going to be the case. But but I don't know. I know Steve also says about uh, Drew Sample. Hard to believe still both are still here. I'm. I know Mick and I are both. I mean, I, I don't want to say that we're on Team Drew Sample, but we both are more pro Drew Sample than the average Bengals fan because I think we both uh, realize that his role is as a blocking tight end, and he's good at it. Yeah, no, I, I'm more pro Drew Sample than I am pro Jackson Carmen. The only reason I why so. I give Drew Sample any flack is just where he was drafted. Like, if he were a fifth-round tight end, I probably would love having Drew Sample on my team. So, yeah, I think Drew Sample – I think this team kind of missed Drew Sample last year, especially when, you know, they were trying to implement the scheme of running more under center last year, and, you know, they could have had more two tight end sense on, on run-blocking downs. So, I – uh I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of happy Drew Sample's back because also you got you, you have him at a bargain this year. I, I can't remember how much is he making. Probably I think, he's, I think he's like the vet men. So I think it is it is not a lot whatsoever. And and here's the thing with a guy like him is if he comes out and he gets hurt again or doesn't play well, then he's a free agent. And you just say, Drew, I appreciate you taking the time. And he also seems like he's a great locker room guy, which, you know, is, is important to Zach Taylor and, and the staff that they brought is they want guys who people enjoy uh, being around. Were you surprised and, and even more so that not back on the practice squad about Raymond Johnson the third? So wait, is he back? He's, I haven't looked at the practice He squad. has not been added to the practice squad yet. Yeah, I'm kind now, of surprised that, he's not on the practice squad. I'm not surprised that, he didn't make the roster. That could mean that he's maybe hoping that he gets a 53-man spot. I think he kind of deserves one after after what he's shown this preseason. Same with Owen Carney. Uh, thanks for the thanks for the uh, comment there, Steve, because I, I think both played really well this preseason. But I think that they're both at positions that are incredibly deep. Yes. I don't think they have like a, a chance making the roster here. Like, I think the, you know, I think the the front four, you know, I really only had them taking eight guys. And even if they, you know, even if they, you know, even adding two, I don't think either of those guys were, I didn't think either of those guys were going to make the 53-man roster anyways. But I think a strong argument could be made that those guys could be, and we were kind of listing them out number-wise, 54, 55 in that range of like the next guy out. Yeah, they they definitely could have, especially Raymond Johnson the third. And uh, I know Tommy loves Raymond Johnson the third. He's he's been hyping him up all preseason. Uh, yeah, they could have been the fifty three or fifty four or fifty five man guys. I, I don't know if you'd put two defensive ends in there. And uh, you also got to think Jeff Gunter is also gone. And he's, you know, they actually spent a draft pick off. Do believe he went back onto the practice squad? He's Jeff on the Gunter practice did. squad. So, do you have uh, the practice squad pull, pulled up at all? I, I, I haven't mean, I even can, taken I a can, look here. I can pull out the uh, the uh, good old. But speaking of practice squad, Will Greer was added to the practice squad. He signs for them, uh, picking up via Dallas Cowboys. Will Greer, West Virginia, hasn't done a lot in the league. Had a good preseason. Or, how do you feel about Will Greer as kind of that quarterback three, maybe even number two? Yeah, I think he's probably an upgrade over Jake Browning. Uh, I don't say that for a fact or, you know, even a, a for sure opinion. But, you know, he did have a higher draft grade than Jake Browning did going into, uh, going into the league. Uh, I feel good. I feel good about having Will Greer as QB uh, three potentially. And this isn't, is this the first time he's been on the practice squad for the Bengals? I thought, no, yeah, this they is talking the about time. him at some point, you know, a few years ago, maybe joining. Well, I do know that, uh, you know, our good friend uh, and yours, Adam Johnson was, was he was big on the Will Greer train coming out of college. He wanted the Bengals to draft Will Greer. I guess, was he the, 
19 draft. He might have been. Uh, he was driving that 10. train. Probably and 19. I'm assuming it was 19 because I'm assuming that Adam would be driving the Burrow train. So I, I, I found it interesting that uh, they, they grabbed him because I'd be interested is, you know, if, if our worst nightmare comes through and something happens to Burrow, would they pull what they did back in 2020 where they pull up the practice squad quarterback Brandon Allen at that time to start over the true backup and Jake Browning would Will Greer start over Jake Browning in that scenario. So it'd be interesting. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting as well. And also it's like, so what were the motivations between picking Driscoll? Wait, not Driscoll, Brandon Allen over Ryan Finley. Finley. Do do we we need to, do we need to talk about that? I don't know. I saw a pretty good win out of Ryan Finley. I mean, I, I was, I was pretty You also saw his... you saw quite a bit of bad out of Ryan Finley, too. <laughs> also seen plenty of bad out of Brandon Allen. I mean... Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the backup quarterbacks in the NFL. I got your practice squad here. So you got Dominique Davis. The oh, hell tackle. yeah. Alan George, who I think uh, didn't have a great preseason. Uh, quite decent at times Brandy last year. Practice squad guy, Alan George. Nate Gilliam, the center. Usually on the practice squad. Jeff Gunter. Okay. Shaka Hayward, the linebacker. Tanner Hudson, the tight end, which I think is good that they kept him on the on the practice squad. Shedrick Jackson. But what? Bo Jackson's nephew? Is that what it is? Sidney Jones the fourth, which I like that he's on the practice squad. He's a good insurance policy at corner yes. as well. Jackson Kirkland, your number one fan. Oh. Kwame Lasseter. Stanley okay. Morgan. Tyler Murray and Mike Thomas as of now. And then there's also been some rumors that they picked up a guy from the Browns as well, but they have to get him in and, and do everything before they can make that official. Okay. Yeah, no, it seems like a, a lot of the same guys from last year on the practice squad this year. So man, maintaining the continuity uh, on the back end of things there, I mean, that's uh, I think that's always a plus. Uh, yeah, this is a... Surprised that Jackson made the practice squad. Uh, he did play pretty hard in those games, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's also just a a wide, uh, you know, a, a wide receiver back backup. You know, you're just having depth there. Steve says, you know, reality is we can't spend on backup quarterbacks. If Burrow goes down, we'll make a trade for a decent vet. I mean, I don't agree. I think that there is, you know, the 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 fact about it is, is if Burrow goes down, they're they're having a lot of issues. Uh, Travis is uh, dropping in as well, also known as Jesus. Jesus. Shout out to him. Yeah, um, thanks, Jesus. Uh, uh, Steve, I don't agree with your comment, and unless if Burrow is only down for a couple weeks, because if Burrow goes down for any extended period of time, the Bengals should be doing everything and every, everything they can to to tank. We should be tanking for for a higher draft pick. That's that's just my personal take on it. The other guy that so the Bengals had really only one player that truly left other than Hakeem Adenogy, as we mentioned, and that was Trent Taylor, who was one of those vet guys that could he didn't have to pass through waivers. He could sign wherever he wanted. And he goes to the Chicago Bears. And Mick, I found the fan reaction to Trent Taylor very interesting, because for me, when I think back at the Trent Taylor era, I'm going to think of two things. And. I'm sure they'd probably be the same two things that you'll think of with Trent Taylor. Number one, the two-point conversion in the AFC Championship game. Absolutely. I'll always always remember that. Uh, one of the differences in that game. The second one is just the backflips when they won out of the victory formation. But other than that, he's fine. But I was just surprised that there was so much, like, Trent Taylor love. Yeah, I mean... He- you got to think uh, the guy that replaces Darius Phillips as the returner is just going to get all the love in the world because he's not fumbling the ball away whenever he catches the ball. But also, I, I did like Trent Taylor. See, I mean, anybody that's followed football for a while, like they, they, they saw him make a few plays with the Niners and thought he had some potential there. And then, you know, the fact that he was like our wide receiver six, it's not necessarily a bad wide receiver six to have. Like, it's not like he was incompetent as a receiver or anything like that. Um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of sad to see him go, but like, I don't know. You 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 drafted, uh, you drafted two uh, 
potential studs at re- receiver in this past uh, in this past draft. And then obviously you're not giving you know uh, Trent Taylor a spot over Irwin. So it's like you know it's kind of like that issue with Ray Johnson and uh, Owen Carney or whoever on the defensive line. There's a lot of depth at the wide receiver position, and you know I I think that Trent Taylor. Uh, Honestly, he might be wide receiver like four in Chicago already because like it's not like they're that deep over there. Yeah, and then I agree here with what Tommy says is, you know, Jones and Yoshivash have more upside than Trent Taylor. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think Trent Irwin is a guy that Burrow really trusts. And that's big in it. And and I mean, the, the question would have come down to it is I think they'd have been more likely to keep Stanley Morgan than they would have Trent Taylor. Yeah, no, I think they would have as well, especially with uh, the uh, contribution Stanley Morgan provides uh, that aren't receiving. Like you, you don't find, uh, you know, many great special teams players. Which I'm still really surprised that Stanley Morgan's not on the team. I think that's that's got to be now the with, biggest. Now with the new practice squad rules, where you can do the the game day pull ups and all of that, it's like three times throughout the season. It can change. There could be some roster gymnastics with that too, so you, you never you never entirely know. I think he's a good insurance policy, though, since he is on the the defensive line there. I'm waiting for Bill Belichick to snatch him up at any moment now. It's, <laughs> it's gonna happen. Uh, last week we went all the way into the offense as a whole. We were previewing position by position. So since we're getting closer and closer to the start of the NFL season which starts a week and a day, Chiefs-Lions next Thursday. We're going to dive into the defense. And I know we've been kind of touching on this at points, so we're just going to go position by position, give some thoughts on it. Um, And, you know, Lou Anaruma as a whole. And before that, Mick, I know we've had this conversation before we started this podcast, but I'm not sure there has been a man in Cincinnati sports history that deserves more of an apology from the fan base as a whole than Lou Anarumo. Because both, I am usually one of the guys that is very pro-coach, and I was done with good old Lou Anarumo. And you know what? He has made me put my foot in my mouth, and I have never been more proud to do that because I don't want another defensive coordinator. He's right up there with Mike Zimmer in like my, my eyes. I, I'm Team Lou. I don't want him to go. Yeah, I, okay, the only one that deserves probably a bigger apology is probably Zach, just because he's the head of the whole thing. And Well, see, I've always been on Team Zach, so I, I don't know Zach an apology. See, I hated Zach way more than I hated Lou uh, in the in the dark years of uh, 2019 and in 2021. But uh, just to get back on the topic of Lou, I mean, yeah, Lou is, uh, I think the thing I like most about Lou is that he has shown an ability to specifically game plan for teams. Um, and like the know, chiefs. Yeah. Like the chiefs, like he, he, he know he has their number in his back pocket. You know, you don't see the chiefs moving the ball against the Bengals like they usually do against other teams. And, uh, you know, I think he's a mastermind when it comes to uh, coaching up the secondary and uh, different coverages back in the back end of the defense there. Um, and I think he's just, he's very, he's a great modern day defensive coordinator, especially given uh, where his skill set lies. I mean, we are in a pass heavy league and you need somebody that really knows how to work the secondary to be a good defensive coordinator. I completely agree with what Steve says too, is maybe the thing that he's the best at is, is making a quick adjustment or two at yeah. halftime. Uh, yeah, that sure. was, that's been the story of those chiefs games is that in most of them, the chiefs had big first halves awful in the second half because Anarumo made some changes on that. I am, I am 100% on, on team Lou Anarumo. And part of that is, is that he's gotten his guys in there. And I think one of the topics, especially with the, the defensive line that when I think of Lou Anarumo and the guys that he wants is guys that are extremely versatile. Yeah, no, he really likes guys that can, he can plug and play anywhere. And, uh, you know, you see that with the, with the, I don't know really with the mile maybe with the Miles Murphy draft pick. I think they might try playing him inside at some point. Um, oh, I think without question they will. I mean, Sam Hubbard has bounced inside and outside. Uh, I think most of these guys that they're getting are are able to play any of those four positions on alongside the the line, and that is incredibly dangerous. 
Yeah, no, and then I actually made a point of this, especially with the defensive line. Um, are we going to see, and we kind of did this last year, but I think we're going to see a lot more rotation with these guys. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think the Bills kind of started doing this a couple years ago where, you know, they didn't really have like four de facto, like, you know, front four defensive linemen. They're just constantly rotating guys in and out throughout the game, making sure everybody's fresh. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to see that a lot more this season especially given the depth that the defensive line has. Yeah, and I think that uh, with that, there's a couple of points that I wanted to make, and I first wanted to start off with this up top is is Trey Hendrickson. You know, big sack number his first year, little lower last year. What, what's your, uh, if you're setting the over-under for Trey Hendrickson's sacks 2023, supposedly Trey Hendrickson has been an absolute menace in camp this year he's that just guy like, just seems nuts that kid he's got to be like the craziest well, guy on the rock i love that he got into the fight day one with orlando brown jr and when they had <laughs> to like pull him off of him he had like a rope burn along his neck and he's just like yeah, yeah, just, yeah nothing wrong with it but if hey. you're setting that over under does he hit 15 <sighs> no I don't think he does. I what don't about think if I set it at 12 and a half? I, I, would, I would set it at 10 and a half or 11 and a half. I think that's right where the sweet spot is for him. But, I mean, you got to think. I don't think Lou, like, prioritizes pass rush as much as other defensive coordinators do. I think that if, if we're looking back at last season, yeah, there were some, like, downs or games where Trey Hendrickson absolutely dominated who he was playing against and he, and he racked up the sack totals. But you look at the uh, you look at the sacks. A lot of them are coverage sacks last year. So I think that Lou st- is still going to emphasize the back end, the the defensive back room, and the and the coverages back there. But um, you know, I don't think we'll see. I think we'll see probably around 10, 11, maybe twelve sacks this year. The other guy that intrigues me a lot on that defensive line is is Miles Murphy because I think. I hate to use a disappointment in a pre in the preseason because it's the preseason and it's the preseason, you know, like there's only so much that you can do, but he was really a non-factor in the preseason. And I know he didn't play against the Falcons because he had an illness and that probably impacted him a little bit against the commanders. But what are your expectations for him here in year one as a rookie in this Luana Rumo system? Because he's behind a lot of studs in front of it. Yeah, I, I'm not expecting him to get like a ton of snaps. Now that may change with the whole Joseph Osai injury. Um, you know, he might be thrown uh, to the Wolves a little bit more uh, earlier on in the season because of that. But, you know, I I think people thought Miles Murphy was just going to be the stud like, you know, uh, pass rushing edge rush, rusher, and I don't think that's necessarily a skill set. I see a lot more of Sam Hubbard's game in Miles Murphy than I do of like Trey Hendrickson or Joseph Osai's game. So my expectations are I think he handles the run game pretty well, um, you know. And I know he didn't look too great in the preseason. Um, I don't know how much he was getting doubled in the Commanders game. I know he was. Uh, I know uh, Munoz mentioned it that he was getting doubled a few times where. He was getting doubled, and that allowed Carney to get a sack, or that allowed maybe Johnson. I can't remember who the other guy was. Probably Johnson. Yeah, actually. Raymond Johnson. Yeah, to get a sack. So I don't know how much Miles Murphy was getting doubled in the preseason, but uh, I don't know. I I have I don't really have high expectations for him. I don't think. I think we're going to. Is see there it. something he would do that would disappoint? Like as if if at the end of the season I say blank. And, you know, he has this, you'd be like, well, that's a disappointment. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you grades as bad as Zach Carter did last year, I would say maybe that's, that's a disappointment. Uh, Make us the president think, of the Zach Carter fan club. I, I, I'm hoping Zach Carter has a good second year. It sounds like he is going to have one. It sounds like he's totally retooled. Uh, you, if When he's all pro, you need to, you will have to buy a Zach Carter jersey. And wear it. That's fine. If he's an all pro, I'll definitely buy his jersey. Well, two years from now, I'll buy his jersey. I'm getting an office. 
I try. I'm going to try to rotate defensive and offensive players. So I feel like if Zach Carter is all pro this year, you need to get a Zach Carter tattoo or something because I think it's that wild of it actually potentially happening. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that would be a very uh, fat chance considering he's not a starter on the defensive uh, as a defensive tackle right now. And, uh, but um, I don't know Zach Carter. And uh, so I mentioned Jersey. I haven't gotten a new Jersey yet, but. Uh, I'm open to suggestions on the defensive side of the ball. If you're listening, throw it in the comments section. I'm leaning Jermaine Pratt because I wanted Trey Hendrickson, but there's no white Trey Hendrickson jerseys on Fanatics. And I tried to get a, I tried looking for a custom one, but I think his character size on his last name is too long, and they won't, uh, they won't let me pick it as a custom. Steve's not specifically mentioning, but this is a good one, DJ Reader. But this also could be DJ Reader's last year. Yeah, I love DJ Reader. I was gonna get DJ Reader as a jersey too. That was, uh, but I was like, ah, he's only gonna be here one more year. It's not worth it. Yeah, but, uh, it's uh, Dax Hill. He's an option. Tyson Anderson. You know, you've you've got you've got all Mike CTV, Thomas. CTV could be an option too. Yeah, that's, that, that's good. You've got a lot of that. Uh, moving on, linebackers. I feel like there's really not a whole lot to discuss. It's same thing as last year. Uh, you know, Pratt and Wilson. I know we were both surprised that Jermaine Pratt. Is is back? Yeah. No, I thought after the the whole locker room, uh, after the Chiefs game, the whole locker room, uh, woo, that video, I was like, oh shit, yeah, Jermaine Pratt's not coming back. Um, It was good while it lasted, but no, he's back. He's back. I'm glad he's back. That uh, having those two together as as a as a tandem once again, this will be their third year in a row as the uh, starting linebackers together, which. It's just crazy the, the continuity this roster has kept over the past few years. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. And the coaching staff, too, yeah. which is, is oh, wild yeah. as well. And then, I mean, you, you look your backups, you know, Marcus Bailey, Akeem Davis-Gaither, and Joe Bocci. I, I think that that's a solid linebacker core. Yeah, I think it's a solid linebacker core. I would have liked to – like I would have liked for them to have found a sixth guy now – out of the people that were on the 90-man roster, I didn't see a six guy on there to be on the active roster, and I don't blame him for only going do, five. Do you need six when you only play two? Yeah, I'd still keep six. I, I You got to think. I, dude, linebacker, I feel like linebackers get injured at a pretty high rate, don't they? I mean, I know Logan Wilson and Jermaine had a fairly healthy years last year. But I don't know. It seems like just one of those positions that where you're just getting beat to death every game. And, like, you know, I feel like that depth could really get tested this year. Yeah, I think it – I mean, it's it'll be interesting. I'm happy with those five. And I think you could maybe see a draft pick next year to kind of compete for those Marcus Bailey, Joe Bocci roles and so on and then hope to fill the void if you get closer to, to – uh, you get closer to where you can maybe drop a cut on Jermaine Pratt or so on. Um, but I don't know. I think I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, with the way the linebacker core goes along. Um, corners, I think the biggest story for the corners is, for me at least, the number one storyline is how does Cheeto come back from the ACL injury? Yep. Especially at that cornerback position where cuts, movement, speed, He's looked good. It sounds like he's good, but you can never be too confident until you get out there and start guarding some dudes. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. And uh, it sounds like he's bounced back pretty well during camp this year. I wonder if we do see CTB matching up with the ones, with the wide receiver ones more this year than Cheeto, because eventually they're going to have to transition to that anyways, right? I mean, I don't think we're going to see Cheeto back after this year. This is the last year on his contract, and I love me some Cheeto. Don't get me wrong. Like, flaming hot, what am I? puffy. Uh, is it flaming hot Cheetos or, or, or? Oh, I love flaming hot Cheetos too. Those are delicious. <laughs> I do love me. I do love me some Cheeto Bay Awuzie. Uh, but yeah, you wonder if you kind of got to wonder if they're going to start transitioning CTB to be that guy that matches up with the number one wide receiver given how physical he is and how strong he looked, uh, well, how strong he looked towards the end of last year. And then I think the best part about Cheeto being out throughout most of training camp 
for CTB is guess who he's had to go up against all camp? Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. And is there really a much better receiver to go up against if you're trying to better your craft? I there mean, are very, there are very few out there. If, if they are, you can count them on one hand and probably even less than that. Maybe even just one finger and the guy, uh, he'll be coming in, in December wearing <laughs> purple. That's about it. But I think I, that's what I'm hoping is that we see as a whole is that, um, is that we see CTB take that next step because he has shown some flashes after kind of being thrown into the wolves. I'm really excited. I'm hoping breakout sophomore year for CTB. Yeah, no, actually, that's actually a bold prediction I have. That's one bold prediction I have this year. Cam Taylor-Britt, CTB, will be a second-team All-Pro. Whoa. If he's first-team All-Pro, even better. But I think he does make that big leap this year. Listen, if he's a first-team All-Pro, then that's your jersey. (laughs) You better be buying a CTB jersey with that. Uh, no, what about the rookies? Uh, I was, I felt like DJ Ivy was kind of one of those guys that when he was drafted, you know, seventh round pick out of Michigan or at Miami, rather, he uh, he was kind of thought to be a project. He was probably going to immediately just go straight to the practice squad, and he makes the team, and but he deserved to make the team. Like I and I'm I'm saying that I think he was kind of one of the surprises of camp. And then I think I, I saw, you know, Steve mentioned up here earlier with Lou Anarumo, speed. This secondary is fast as wow. Yeah. So I wasn't too surprised at the DJ Ivy uh, making the 53-man roster. They usually like to, to keep six cornerbacks on the 53-man I, I guess what I'm roster. saying with that is uh, if you would have told me that June the 5th, I wouldn't have believed it. I would have thought it would yeah, be Sidney Jones Sidney over Jones him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but. Or even know, Alan you, George. Yeah, uh, I, okay, I probably would have gone DJ Ivy over Alan George. But with, uh, with DJ Ivy, and I think this is the big thing and, and that I've kind of come to terms with is like, are you going to pick the guy? If you've got guys with similar skill sets, are you going to pick the guy you just drafted and has four more years on his contract? Or are you going to pick the guy that you signed to a one-year vet minimum deal or Alan George? Uh, yeah. which it's, it's not to, not to put shame on Alan George there, but. Uh, and I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I, I, I think it's interesting. And I think he, uh, in the long run, that's the right move is bringing in DJ Ivy because he showed some flashes. I think it was, I'm thinking of a play and either it was either the commander's game or it was in the, it might've been the Packers game where he just came in. It uh, looked like he was beaten. The receiver ran a little curl rat and he came in and just stuck his hand in and broke it up. It was like those are the little things that I wanted to see from from cornerbacks in, you know, in in the preseason. It's just you're trying to pick up on those little things, and that was kind of the first time that I really thought, "Yep this this guy he, this guy might be a steal, and he's going to make this roster." Yeah, uh, he definitely got a lot of reps in there in the preseason. Uh, showed some flashes, uh, had some nice PB, a couple of nice PBUs in the in those three games. Um. Yeah, I I think he could make a meaningful contribution at some point uh, during one, his tenure with the Bengals. The one worry I do have with the cornerback position is slot corner depth. And I think this can be twofold because you have Jalen Davis. And how confident are we in Jalen Davis? So are they not it's looking fine. at moving DJ Turner to, to the slot role? That, that's a possibility, or there's also the possibility of, do you take Dax Hill out of safety and make him be a slot corner and then throw in a Tyson Anderson or a Jordan Battle? And so I, wouldn't throw, I would not throw in Battle to the Wolves yet because I thought Jordan Battle was going to be the other starting safety after this preseason, and uh, he's shown that he still has some growing to do before uh, – before I can trust him there. Dax in the slot corner, it's intriguing because sometimes you do like having a slot corner that has some length to him. And and Dax does have a little bit of length. I mean, nobody's taking the role over Mike Hilton, but if Mike Hilton does... Yeah, because Mike Hilton missed a couple of games last year. He did. I don't know. I would think that they're probably grooming DJ Turner for that role. Now, I'm not sure what role DJ Turner is most comfortable in. I haven't done too much uh, 
too much digging into that. But just based off of uh, DJ Turner's, uh, you know, overall build and speed, I was thinking that they were going to try to transition him to take over that role for Mike Hilton um, in and, the couple of years. And I think that, you know, speaking of Dax Hill, he's kind of perfect to, to transition into that final defensive position group, and it's the safeties. I think it's clearly the biggest question mark on this defense. When you lose two starting safeties who were who were good, they're up. there's obvious questions. Like, I, I, I mean, how confident are you in Dax Hill and Nick Scott? So, I'm confident in Dax Hill. I think that, like, last season he didn't have many reps. You know, he didn't look great last year, but um, given more reps, you know, in training camp and another year in loose system, I think he seems like a like a prime candidate to make that big jump to a to a fairly productive uh, starter on this defense. So I'm not too worried about him. Um, Nick Scott. Um, I don't know if we're if he's going to really be like, yeah, he might be a starter, uh, but I, I really think uh, you're going to see that other safety spot be 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 platooned, um, a little bit more this year. And now I know Lewis said in the past like the the defensive back uh, starters or whatever. It's kind of like the offensive line. Um, you know, you really want those guys in for every snap together. You, you, there, there's a lot of cohesion that takes place uh, in the secondary. So, I don't know. I'm not too confident in Nick Scott's uh, coverage ability. He is graded very poorly in coverage per PFF um, throughout his career. Now, where Nick Scott does provide uh, a big upside, though, is in the run game. Uh, where He's Von Bell. He is. He, he is Von Bell or Jesse. I mean, Jesse uh, Jesse was always rated as a better run defender than he was in, in coverage as well. So it's uh, it's, interest, it's interesting to see. But also, like, Von wasn't too bad in coverage last year either. So that's where I'm kind of worried about Nick Scott. I'm actually pulling up the grades right now just to see where, where he's at because I think his coverage grade was, like, really low. Yeah, and I think that there is some concern over that. And I don't even know if concern's the right word. I guess I'm cautiously optimistic when I look into a guy like, because I think we've seen Dax Hill. We saw the play he made against the Packers. And again, I know it's one play. How much can you really read into one single play that happened in a game? But I think you saw there he showed off his range on one single play. And I think Tyson Anderson has always been kind of this guy that we're like, um, who is this guy again? Like what? We knew he was athletic, but didn't see him at all last year and showed some good signs in, in that Packers game. And I think even like Tommy said, uh, not going to harp on the taunting penalty with battle, but the missed tackle against Washington proves he's got some growing to do. And, and I agree with that. But I think the one thing with Jordan battle is you look at him and you ask, where did he play college football? And he played at Alabama. And Alabama is is as close to an NFL program, probably at the college level, as you're going to get. He's play, he's playing against a bunch of guys who are playing right now in the NFL or are going to be playing in the NFL. And that's the one thing that makes me excited for Jordan Battle. And then everything that you always hear about him is that he's incredibly intelligent on football IQ, which for me, when I'm wanting a safety, I want the guy who knows what the heck is going on. Yeah, you definitely need one. I mean, you need that for every position, but especially when you're playing, uh, you know, you know, one of the center field positions on the defense. Uh, yeah, you have to be knowing the ins and outs of of everything that's going on around you, and you know, I think that's where Battle could end up. You know, taking the job later on in the year. Um, you know, I'm still very optimistic on him, and you know, you know, did he? He had a very up and down preseason, uh, but. But that's what you yeah. expect from a rookie. Yeah. No, he's also, you know, not to not to throw a pun in here, but he, he's the most battle-tested guy probably on the defense this season, this preseason. He's uh, probably had the most snaps out of everybody, I would think. 
I, I wish I had a sound effect here that would be boo. Boo. <laughs> boo. Yeah, no, I don't I don't have that. I, in fact, I, I don't know that I really have any semblance of sound effects. That could be something that I can work on. Okay. Work on throughout there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that uh, boo, though, you definitely get that. Boo. Well, I can maybe while I, while I'm talking, maybe I can give you this. Let's see here. Let's see if I can. It's it's maybe as it's it's trying to load here. Let's see. We're gonna get sued for, for putting that on a, on the broadcast. He just died, so it's okay. Shout out to Bob. <laughs> Who is that from? Is that's that Price's right. That's Price is right, dude. R.I.P. to Bob Barker, man. I yeah, feel like- remember spaying new to your pets. I feel um, like dying right before your hundredth birthday has got to be like. Well, he went to his close. close to, he went to his close to one hundred without going over. I so that is a very poetic. That that is a very poetic ending to it. But if he weren't the Price Is Right host and he died right before a hundred, I would think that's almost the equivalent to, I don't know, like, uh, having an interception at the end of a playoff game. Uh, where you were getting your ass kicked all game, and then you have some magical fourth quarter where uh, your team rallies back and you're up 16 to 15, and then you know Jeremy Hindle, Jeremy Hill fumbles the ball away, and then okay, no, no, okay. Nope, 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 nope. I'm gonna mute you. We're done talking about that. Nope, I'm not ready. Not mentally prepared to talk about the 2015 Bengals Steelers uh, playoff we, game. During the offseason, for all the true fans out there, can we make one episode that's like just like a group therapy session on that day? Like, I feel like I can't, I, I will never about stop this? talking about that day. If the Bengals win the Super Bowl this year, I am prepared for that. But until yeah, that we happens, got, we got to talk about this, man. It's, it's, it's traumatizing. It, it, we got to talk about past traumas and i don't think there's any bigger trauma than that maybe the joe burrow acl but i don't think carson palmer acl no i didn't really okay i was only eight when that happened right i cried i remember when it happened i was watching it i I didn't have much confidence in that team doing much in the playoffs that year even though i was only eight years old but i was like there's no way this team's getting past peyton manning right so or 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 yeah, Tom was on the the Patriots are on a down year that year, but I didn't think anybody was making the pass the Colts, including the the O five band. We uh, we're getting off topic. Um, <laughs> uh, return game. We touched on this I know a little bit last week. It sounds like Charlie Jones is your punt returner, and your kickoff returner is going to be who? I'm gonna go Travion to start out. I know I said Charlie Jones at first. But uh, I think Charlie Jones, we talk about people that got some growing to do. I think Charlie Jones has got some growing to do in the return game, at least to start out. Because I, I mean, he, he's also dealing with the torn labrum in his shoulder, which can't I feel good. Know that. Yeah, he had the shoulder injury, which can't feel good that he's fighting through. Why are we throwing him out there if he's got a torn labrum? I think it's one of those things that he can't injure it anymore. Okay. And you're he's good enough to play, but... um. I, I think the, the the kickoff return, I'm very interested to see when they play the Browns here in a week and a half, who will trot out there to return that opening kick? Because I think there's a, there's a host of players that it could be. Yeah, I know you I know you touched on Chris Evans, and I really hope it's not, just given uh, my past memories of watching Chris Evans in the kick return game. I think it's probably going to be Travion start out. Um, we'll probably see Charlie Jones take that role over. Later on in the year, um, like yeah, I would go Travion to start out. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I agree with that. I think uh, I think I think you're going to see a lot of Charlie Jones this year. That's part of the reason why they drafted him is they they want a guy that quote unquote, as Darren Simmons says, put the fear of God in the other team. Now I know it takes a, a specific skill set to to be a kick returner in terms of like you know you got to actually learn how to catch the ball from that angle and stuff like that. But just given his pure explosiveness as a as a player and his speed, I'm surprised we don't see we haven't seen Yoshivas have any sort of traction at that uh, at getting that gig. Now that you're saying this, I'm interested if he ever returned any punts at, at Princeton. I'm going to try and Google that right now 
and see Andre Yoshivash, Princeton stats. Because, Mick, I'm sorry, but I'm not an expert on the Princeton punt return game. I don't even know if Prince, I don't even, does he, do they have stats for Ivy League and sports oh, reference? Of course they do. Of course they do. Oh, well, okay. no, they. I'm looking on the Princeton University website here as if my internet decides that it wants to work properly. Gosh, look at him. Princeton's uniform's really cool there. That's cool. Okay, we're looking at his stats here. See if it'll load and see if he returned any punts here. And and now, obviously, it doesn't want to work. This is great podcasting, too, Mick. That we're uh, just Google. (laughs) How fast can we Google things? I'm trying to see. Yes, because we were. If we were good at our jobs, we would do it. I would be surprised if Princeton has a sport reference, you know, aspect of that. Okay, I'm wanting to look at the stats, not his bio. I've already seen that. Okay, let's see here. Uh, does he have any? It doesn't appear that he had any special team stats. So maybe he maybe he didn't have anything like that. Um, I don't he think did he have, did. He did uh, the ball four times for a for ten yards in his career, including yeah. having twelve yard rush at Harvard. It's probably. Uh... I know. Why am I saying this? I knew you were probably watching the Princeton at Harvard football game last year. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a great, great game. Uh, mm-hmm. Yo, I guess I'd root for the Tigers because they're closest to the Bengals. Oh, there you go. Can 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 you name Harvard's nickname? Do you know this? Yeah, Crimson. Again, the Crimson. Good job. Good job. Again, yeah. we're getting we're getting way off topic. Uh, also this week, and I'm curious if you had the t- a chance to watch it. I have about five minutes left in it, and I haven't been able to. Have you watched from the jungle yet? The Bengals new no, hard knocks the, the YouTube documentary or whatever. I have, I, not I have about the five minutes it. left in it. I, I've been watching it on my lunch break. So I've been sitting eating my sandwich here over at my kitchen table and watching a little bit of it. It's good. I, it's I've good. enjoyed it. Um, my favorite quality pretty high. Yes. My favorite part. And I wish they'd shown more of it. And it could be, or could be more in the last couple of minutes is they brought in a professional ping pong player because they have a lot of ping pong wars and the guy was playing against some of the team members and they didn't show a lot of it but i just love the reaction of some of these guys going up i think i saw i saw uh tyler boyd uh going up against him and it, it was just really really interesting tommy writes in and says that he doesn't think he returned kicks or punts at princeton we and don't think he google, did either and a quick google i i didn't see anything but um i don't know i mean he could be a potential uh great athlete I wouldn't just, be against it. It requires a lot of coordination and like you gotta train yourself to catch from you know from a certain angle. Like I Wait, I remember you mean, trying you mean to... catching the punt is part of the job? Did did That's somebody the, tell Darius Phillips? According, yeah, according to Darren Simmons, it's like the most important job hmm. of the... Did Darius Phillips miss that day of practice? Yeah, I uh... he might have had the flu that day. Even on an NFL roster, what's his? What's his? He name? was with the Raiders last time I checked. Was him? And I did see a question too that was dropped in by Steve a few minutes ago. I we were in the middle of talking about something else. Let's see. Uh, not Joe counting Mixon. How do you feel about the running back room as whole? I'm I'm optimistic. I think Chase Brown showed me a lot in the preseason, in the final preseason game against the Commanders. Now again, I know it was up against you know the the third string defense for the Commanders, but I think he had some really nice runs. Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident in the running back room. I don't think, I you need to be just as good as you were last year, and you know we could say we're not counting counting on Mixon. I I think Mixon still provides value as a as a starting running back on the roster. Um, but yeah, I think I was pretty happy with the way Trace Brown played, and then honestly, all three of the backups looked looked pretty solid this preseason for the most part. Well, the, I was a little well, surprised. Not that, Trayvon didn't play, but yeah, I, I was like a little surprised that Sailors or Sailors or Sawyers or whatever his name is didn't make the practice squad. I liked him. He, he had yeah. some good runs against the uh, Commanders. I, maybe it was his choice. Maybe he's thinking he can go on a practice squad of another team, but that one was one that was kind of interesting to me. They ended up taking the other guy. Uh, I think Calvin Tyler, I think is who I said from Utah State. Uh, I I don't know, um, but I, I I was I I liked what I saw from S- Sailors Sawyer's whatever Sawyer. his name was. Sawyer's. Yeah. 
Sal, 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 whatever his name was, uh, from East Carol, East Carolina, I think, or no, East Tennessee, uh, oh, okay, East Tennessee, okay, East Carolina. East that's a big boo for me. What's wrong with East Carolina? They're like a Marshall. They're like one of Marshall's biggest rivals, East Carolina. Listen, we don't need to talk about Marshall. They're too too chicken to play the tops. Speed. We can touch a little bit NFL NFL wide. Were there any big surprises cuts? Because I think one of the biggest surprise cuts that came out yesterday was Bailey Zappi. And then I think it was kind of surprising too that he passed through waivers and nobody put a claim in on him, which yeah, is kind I'm of surprised. interesting to me. That is that is pretty surprising. And I I I saw something about it. I was like, I think I saw like some notification saying, Oh yeah, the Patriots would love to bring back Bailey Zappi. And I was like, they get rid of him? Like what what's going on here? Um Tommy. Um, yes, go herd. Um, WVU. We talk I, about teams that are too chicken to play each other. WVU, ever since they almost lost to Marshall like 12 years ago in like the first or second year of the Doc Holiday era, they were like, screw this shit. We're not playing Marshall ever again. We can't lose to our little brother's school, even though, you know, they have a like almost an impeccable bowl record in the past 30 years. And, you know, we, you know, had one of the best college football quarterbacks to ever play. And uh, sorry, I'm going on a tangent, man. Brandon Dowdy, Mike White, and Bailey Zappi did not play for, and Austin Reed, none of them played for Marshall. Who the hell is Austin Reed? That's Western's quarterback right now. He's the leading returning player. Yes, Tommy, that is the year Marshall uh, shit the bed. That that is the year where they they did. Was was that also the year that uh, they lost 67 to 66? No, no, that was a few, that was a couple years after. Don't I have um, to drop one of those? That was a crazy game. I, yeah, I'm, great game. Great. We should just later on, later on during the off season, we're out of shit to talk about. Um, let's just air the the Marshall the 2014 Marshall WKU game. That'll because I'm sure that our our millions of listeners really care. If you guys if you guys even know what I'm talking about, that might be the craziest football game I've ever watched. I'm not sure that I knew that Lou and Romo. There was a defensive backs coach in the early 2000s over there. uh, Interesting. Interesting. So I guess not everything that has been ever been at Marshall is awful. Um, One of the best college football. I'd say two of the best college football quarterbacks ever. Well, I don't Chad's up. Chad Pennington's up there. But, you know, he was also throwing a Randy for one of those years. So, like. Chad Pennington, the head coach at Lexington Sayre High School. They, that, that, guy? Guy, that guy's revitalized that program. Is, hasn't he gone like undefeated the past two years? No, no, they're, they're not that good. But no, they're not. No, they're, they're fine. They're not. They're not but quite Rakeem that good. Cato, man, Rakeem Cato. He's no Brandon Dowdy. No Brandon. I wish that guy had made an NFL roster, but that guy's so small. Uh, that'll pretty much wrap us up because <laughs> we are getting way off topic for the show next week. Season preview show we're gonna preview we're gonna make you know our bold predictions mick i think we might even just go game by game make our predictions you know what's the record gonna look like uh how do we see the season pulling out will this finally be the year that the lombardi is picked up here in cincinnati uh i think we're gonna we're gonna tackle into all that all of those questions and also we gotta break down the brown spangles yeah that's uh it's the season's getting here it's coming We've got eight days until the first legit NFL action takes place. We've got 11 days until we see our team play in legit NFL action. Uh, thanks for thanks for the love there, Tommy. Uh, we love you, Tommy. Uh, Absolutely. No, I can't. Uh, wait. I can't wait till we can actually play some real football. Yeah, no, can't wait to can't wait either. And uh, obviously, we'll be previewing that Browns game. It should be a pretty fun one to watch. And, and then I know uh, at some point uh, we're maybe going to debut a brand new segment with uh, with your wife, right? Yeah, I got to talk to her more about it. But uh, you know, well, my wife's we, football. Is Sam, her name's also Sam. Uh, and your sister is. Yeah, my sister's name is Sammy. It's a weird thing. I I get it. It's like uh, it's like you ever watch Parks and Rec? Oh yeah, it's, it's like, the uh, Tammy thing. On squat, yes, <laughs> the Tammy thing. Um, but yeah, we're we're talking about Sam maybe coming on the show, and we're just gonna throw some random trivia questions at her about the Bengals or 
just about NFL players in general, because now she watches, well, now she's been watching TikTok, but now like she knows who Cody, Cody Ford is because of apparently his wife or his girlfriend was uh, TikToking or live streaming uh, when the final rosters were coming out. And now she knows who Cody Ford is. So uh, Interesting. Of all Bengals, me expecting her to know, I wouldn't have assumed Cody Ford would I be on that even list. I remember Cody Ford in that moment. She's like, you know anybody, the last guy named Ford? He's like, he made the final man roster for the Bengals. And I was like, no, I don't I don't know who. And then she's Henry? like, it was like Jerome Ford uh, running back. Uh, no, he plays for the Browns. But uh, no, I was like, she's like, yeah, it's Cody Ford. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, yeah, that's. That guy definitely. I, I was talking about him making the fifty-three man roster a couple weeks ago or last week. So I don't know. She's gaining a lot of sports knowledge. It's, I'm very proud of her. So that'll be perfect. That'll be a segment that we can look forward to as well. Our season preview as well next week. Uh, looking forward to it. For sure. For sure. That'll wrap us up for this week's episode number three of Jungle Juice. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media. Uh, follow the Huda nation today page as well as the jungle juice podcast page follow both of those join the who day nation facebook group and is that all of our promos did i did i check them all off oh wait we didn't talk about the borough contract is it going to happen next in the next week this is going to happen in 2024 i'm, I'm just i'm okay. coming with this uh, i i'm, I'm going to continue to say that i have faith that it's going to happen this week so i hope it we're... happens i really I... hope it happens but if we get to the regular season it's here it's not happening until next. yes time. that that i will definitely agree with nick it's been a pleasure yes thanks for watching guys see you next week who day who day <laughs>